When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Pucks with Hags, John Zanis, and Joe Haggerty, Boston Hockey Now, Boston Bruins scribe, having watching more Little League than hockey these days, I can guarantee. Um, and we are going to rip through some Bruins topics for you uh, throughout the show, including some injury updates, some potential trade scenarios as we kind of go through the roster and look at what the Bruins might be able to do to keep the train rolling into next season when they are in a bit of a contract uh, crunch. Uh, But before we roll into that, we got to tell you uh, about our sponsors for the show, one of which is a new sponsor we welcome on board. That is Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And, of course, FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Cash in now. Sign up. Take advantage of a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Let's go through some Bruins-related stuff here. And again, there's not a lot of ton of news here. Joe, they've been idle for a couple of weeks watching other teams get the headlines and and play hockey while uh, they sit at home and lick their wounds. Uh, One little piece of news, and it's kind of a bit of a bummer, finding out that Hampus Lindholm, uh, and it gives you some clarity, finding out that Hampus Lindholm had been playing with a broken foot uh, throughout the playoffs. Again, to what extent that hampered him, it's hard to know. But it is really clear that they didn't have him at his best, whether he just played poorly or the injury impacted him. And it's a second straight season, second straight postseason. You didn't get what you needed out of this dynamic defenseman that's really supposed to be a difference maker. So I'm not going to call him injury prone. He got cleaned out you know, uh, you know, with a really rough hit uh, a year ago in the playoffs and couldn't get yeah. back in time. Uh, and then here uh, in the first round, really never got a chance to get going. Uh, so just kind of a bummer looking back at it and kind of gives you an understanding like what was going on in that, why the D, which was so dependable throughout the year, had such a rough, rough go of it. Well, I mean, the problem in my mind is it leaves question marks as to what you're going to get out of Hampus Lindholm in the playoffs in general. You know, yeah. like... Whether it's injuries, whether it's underperformance and not dealing with the pressure uh, of the playoffs and the expectations of boss and not dealing with the pressure other teams are going to throw at uh, him like the Florida Panthers did. Because, look, I'll look at the injury with a little bit of a skeptical eye. He had a fracture in his foot. Let's take him at his word. Even though he told us at breakup day that, you know, he didn't have any kind of real significant injury and he kind of poo-pooed that and and really, you know, changed the subject. Um. He played 80 games this year. He was playing down the stretch. It's not like he was resting before the playoffs. I, I know. I he talked know. about yeah. having this a few weeks at least before the playoffs started to a month before the playoffs started. So, like, you know, do do I take that as a complete uh, relevant excuse for his underperformance? No. Was he less than 100%? Probably. I think there was a bunch of players that certainly weren't. And, I, you know, that's part of it is realizing the Bruins were pretty banged yeah. up in some key spots here. And it, it again – uh, lays into my theory, which is as soon as Patrice Bergeron herniated his disc in that 82, uh, 82nd game in Montreal, they had no chance to win the Cup. And this was another injury that compromised them and, and one of their key players. But, like, it, it leaves you wondering if you're a media member, if you're a fan, whoever, 
Like, how much can you trust that this guy is going to play in the playoffs like he does in the regular season now that he hasn't been able to really do it for you two postseasons in a row, whether some of it's underperformance, some of it's injury? You know, it's not like you're paying him $10 million a year. You've got him on a relatively pretty good deal for a guy that's pretty much a number one defenseman during the year. Um, but you just, it leaves the door open to speculate and wonder, is this one of those guys that's going to be a stud during the regular season? And when it comes to playoff time, he's just not going to be the same kind of player. And that's a concern when you're relying on him and he's as important as he's going to be to this team as a horse on the back end that plays 20, 25 minutes a night in the playoffs. You know, it's a red flag for sure. And, uh, it's something to watch. It's an anchor. That's the thing is if you look at what potential roster turnover this team is going to have uh, and, 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 and the areas of the roster, they're going to be deficient. There's really three, four things that you can count on the goaltending uh, and uh, David Pasternak and these two defensemen that they've locked up long term, Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm. You yep. don't have enough of a core that you can you know move forward with into the future if Hampus Lindholm is not the guy you think you're getting or the guy you think you gave that contract to when you traded for him at the deadline last year. It's just going to consistently hurt you in the playoffs if he, yeah. if he can't perform like he does in the regular season. You know, you, if, he, if, it, if, it, if this plays out the way he does now, uh, what, what he did this season, you'll, you're, you're going to be in store for some pretty good regular season teams if you have two stud defensemen in the prime of their careers that With play that a lot of minutes to play all right. situations. Like, if you have that and goaltending, there's a limit as to how bad you're ever going to be. You know, exactly. you're always going to be, like, in the mix for the playoffs. You're not going to be stripping it down to its studs. And it becomes a problem if you're good enough to make the playoffs every year, but then, you know, the same player doesn't show up when the playoffs start. And, you know, let, let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. Maybe he was hurt. Um, you know, he's got a lot of playoff games. He's got like over 50 games of NHL Stanley Cup playoff experience. So we're not talking about a guy that's new uh, to the postseason, even if the expectations he's playing with now in Boston are much different uh, than they were in Anaheim. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe this is a learning experience for him and he'll be better the next time around when he faces something like this. But I just, when I heard after the fact that he had a fractured foot, it sounded more like an excuse for him playing bad than it did for the you know the biggest reason why he played bad. And I hope he proves me wrong and he goes out and he's much better the next time around. But I didn't love to hear that when that news yeah. came out of Sweden that he was playing with a fractured foot. You know that happens. Uh, and, and yeah, of course. He's not the only athlete to do that. And, you know, you see that happen in a ton of sports. Oh, I, I was, I was, you know, this was ailing me and this and that. Again, hard to know uh, whether or not it factored in. But as you said, uh, the the... the the subpar performance was real, uh, and it really, really, really did impact them. Uh, you yep. know, obviously, first round exit. We've been watching as the Panthers roll through all the way into the conference finals, uh, and here you are. Uh, you know, and then they steamroll the Leafs, which are who we will talk about as well. Could be in for a overhaul, if not similar to the Bruins, uh, you know, could be close in terms of, you know, the direction they need to go. We'll talk about that in a second, but just looking yep. at the team here, um, there's a couple nightmare scenarios going on for the Bruins right now. Okay. First off, and again, you have the Panthers uh, winning game one 
of the uh, conference finals on the road against the Canes in four overtimes with 12 seconds left in the fourth overtime. Uh, and to me, that's, and guys of our generation, Joe, that's going to be flashbacks to 1990 and the Bruins Oilers and Glenn Wesley over the crossbar and Peter Klima scoring in that third OT. What that did, the momentum killer, that that game sucked all the air out of the Bruins, who were a better team than Edmonton that that year, and they could never recover, losing that cup four games to one. Um, and they have home ice there, and they were that was a, a very, very good Boston team. The Canes are clearly the best team here. Uh, and you could have argued they were every bit as good as the Bruins uh, when you looked at a lot of the metrics there. A really, really good team. That hurts, but forget about that. You've got the Panthers continuing to roll. That's a constant reminder of what you could have been or could have done had you been able to squeak through that series. Who knows? On the other side, you've got Bruce Cassidy's plucky Vegas Knights uh, in the conference finals there. So you got the coach you let go after your coach had a bit of a, you know, a, a series of questionable, dubious decisions yeah. uh, that, that from the from the Patrice Bergeron injury through the playoffs, on one side, you got these plucky Panthers going at it now. Uh, that's scenario A. We'll talk about scenario B in a bit. But as, yeah. as a Bruins fan, this has to hurt. Yeah, and it's funny. I wrote uh, at Boston Hockey Now a column, I think it was earlier this week or la- the end of last week, about, you know, are, are you going to feel any better as a Boston Bruins fan uh, if the Panthers go and win the cup? Like, you lost to the you know the best team, and you, you've really pushed them as hard as they were pushed uh, by anybody in, in that first round. But, you know, it turned out that they were this, you know, team of destiny, this great team that, you know, just underperformed during the regular season. And it was a resounding no. It was more the reaction I got was if they win the cup, that means the the road was wide open after you get out of the first round. And the Bruins could have easily gotten, you know, destroyed the, the, the Maple Leafs and kind of traveled the same road to get there and win the cup themselves. So, um, yes, I think watching them, the Florida Panthers win the cup would be a, a hard pill for a lot of Boston Bruins fans. Maybe a small fraction would say, hey, we lost to the champs. I get some consolation out of that. But I, I think the bigger doomsday Stanley Cup final for Bruins fans, as you referenced, was the Florida Panthers, if they play the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup final. And we have Matthew Kachuk just making huge plays all over the place and kind of being his obnoxious self. I know he's got. He, I know he grew up in St. Louis, but he's got some mass hole to him. There's no question about it. With his dad uh, having been Medford. from here, you know, Keith Kachuk definitely bestowed some of that attitude and swagger onto his sons, and they play like mass holes. And I say that in in, in the most complimentary way, uh, in the way they compete in the playoffs, and the way that they play hockey. Um, to have that, <laughs> where he became a clear enemy uh, of Bruins fans and Bruins Nation. Uh, in that first round series while dominating and really dictating terms all over the place. Uh, to have that against Bruce Cassidy, the coach that Bruins fans did not want to leave, did not want to let go, that made a huge think about it when the coaching change happened, and rightfully so because he's a very good hockey coach, as we're seeing with the Golden Knights now. Uh, that would bring so much second-guessing, so much unrest, so much unhappiness uh, to Bruins fans. But, like, on one level, it it should. Like, it should continue to bother and 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 make Bruins fans bitter that they're sitting on the sidelines watching these other teams, uh, you know, go deep into the playoffs and, and see these Stanley Cup uh, runs through and, you know, make them ask the woulda, coulda, shoulda questions. You know, it, 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 it should be uh, very difficult for fans, for management, for players, for everybody involved with the Bruins to watch what's going on right now and to second guess so many things that they did 
because they they fell so spectacularly short. I mean, this was a bitter uh, choking collapse by the Boston Bruins in the playoffs, and it should continue to torment them. So on some levels, I think uh, hockey gods and karma should make it the Panthers and the Golden Knights just to twist the knife a little bit more uh, for what the Bruins have to watch and what they're going through because it should be painful if you uh, fail in the first round after you had 65 wins and 135 points. It should bug the crap out of you. You know, it it, it's definitely going to if those teams are there. And the further Florida goes, and as you said, the Bruins had them, you know, I mean, it's it's three games to one, and then, you know, you've got the yeah. game on Brad Marchand's stick as well. Uh, I mean, it's you know. very – you can make the easy – Could you argue that the Bruins – I, I could. It could definitely play out, Zanis, where the Bruins – push the Panthers harder than anybody else. You know, and that'll kill you because if course. you see that other teams go down and you're like, wow, would the Bruins have had an easy time here? Yes. Watching them steamroll Toronto and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen. It's only one game in here. That's going to be harder and harder to swallow because you know that, yeah, you caught a hot team playing really well at the right time and if you'd just gotten through them, you might have had enough in the tank. That's really going to eat at you. It's yeah, really going it, to eat at you. It will, and I, I think the I almost that's why I wanted in our last podcast, Joe. We were talking about it. That's almost why I would have rather Toronto just smack them around yeah. and toss them out of there, just to be <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Bruins would have would have run into that buzzsaw, and they yeah. weren't playing right, and Bergeron was hurt, and Allmark wasn't right. This, this they, they weren't getting there. But now, now I start to question it, and it drives me nuts. Yeah, and and I, I I'll be honest with you, like. Watching a team like Carolina lose in quadruple overtime last night in the on their home ice too, like yes, Carolina's a good team, but I think Florida is every bit as good, if not better, than them. And I think that could be like a backbreaking loss where they don't stick totally. around for too long and and have a hard time rebounding from it. You know, like like Carolina is a team that much more than a lot of these other teams, they have to win it right now too, and they're kind of in their window and getting towards the end of their window of when you know these playoff disappointments turn into like, you know, Rob Brindamore being in trouble, somebody being in trouble down there, some kind of change happening because they have kind of perpetually disappointed and underachieved a bit, given what they've done in the regular season uh, in the playoffs. So they have a lot of questions to answer too. So I'm sure there's a lot of turmoil with the hurricanes going on right now after losing that game, especially when they had a lot of good chances to win it and and couldn't see it through. And then Kachuk comes out of nowhere and, and wins it right before uh, they're going to intermission again. Like, that's a backbreaking goal. And then he starts pointing to the exit for all the fans to get out of the building when he's going off the ice after the overtime game winner. Like, that was a, that was a classic mass hole celebration by Kachuk after the game was over, too. Oh, yeah. Gotta love it. I mean, it, <laughs> it's a, it, he's a hard guy not to root for, honestly. Like, you know, yeah. he, he does everything you want to see a hockey player do. Um, it kills Bruins fans because they watch him and they're like, that's exactly what a Boston Bruins plays like. They want him you know on the Bruins and it would it kills them to see him on another team another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, uh, as, as you mentioned, a bit of news, just with the with the with how hard it is to be competitive in Windows closing. Uh, Kyle Dubas is out uh, here. The team announced uh, as a Toronto Maple Leafs general manager, 37 years old, came in kind of post Lou Lamorello, cleaned things up, fired Babcock, fired kind of the old salts, you know, who were, you know, who doing and, 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 you know, kind of came in and you have to credit somewhat with this, this, you know, bringing in and uh, the, 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 the nucleus, he helped build it. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, he brings these guys in, but these guys fell short again. Uh, yep. And uh, as you said, that window is tight. It really, really tight because the cap just doesn't make it possible, win or lose, for you to be able to maintain a really good core and be able to backfill your roster with quality NHL depth for more than two or three years. And then you got to pay the piper. You got to make really tough decisions. And you know Toronto's going to be in the same boat, you know, uh, with, with that in, in, as the Bruins are. And it, it's it just kind of another sign of how difficult it is uh, to maintain in this day and age. It's just. There's just, it just doesn't, you can't do the math. You can, you have a couple star players. The math doesn't work for you to be able to have, you know, a super team. Yeah. And, you know, uh, selfishly from my perspective, uh, <laughs> Kyle Dubas is kind of like the uh, patron saint of the uh, fancy stats brigade, the hockey nerds, the pocket protector crew that love the fancy stats. And, you know, he was one of those guys that used it as gospel and built his team around, you know, the met, the fancy metrics, the analytics, all that stuff. And and they always used him as the example of a guy that does it the right way and listens to what we have to say and, you know, is using that philosophy to build his team. Guess what? It doesn't work in the playoffs. You can, you, you can fancy stats your way uh, through great regular season teams where you pile up points, goals, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you need players like, you know, Matthew Kachuk. You need players that are harder, more physical in the playoffs where, you know, even though he is a good, you know, analytics type player, there's a lot that aren't uh, that that are effective in the playoffs. And you have to realize and you have to sort of make that marriage between having team having players that are going to pile up points and be these, you know, run and gun offensive players to get you through the regular season to qualify for the playoffs but also having guys on your roster that do some of the smaller things that don't show up on the stat sheet and don't show up in your Corsi that help you win hockey games when it really matters in the postseason. And I think they kind of figured it out. Like they'd started bringing some of those kind of players into Toronto, Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, guys that they traded for and acquired this year specifically. Um, But it was too little too late. Um, and, And the biggest problem that Kyle Dubas had was that he paid all of his players before they won anything. That was the biggest sort of mortal sin. The biggest problem he had is he gave Austin Matthews. He gave Mitch Marner. He obviously Tavares is a good player. that's won some playoff series, but he also gave William Nylander huge money. He gave all these players huge money before they had done Jack squat in the playoffs. And they already had their huge contracts before they'd really done anything. Uh-huh. And it, it, it wasn't the right way to build the team. You didn't have enough, um, hungry players and players that had experience winning or knew how to win. You had too many young players that didn't, you know, that basically soiled their underpants in the playoffs when they were there year after year. And it happened a bunch of years in a row. Uh, and, you know, winning one playoff series uh, against Tampa this year was not enough uh, to keep that, uh, he, for him to keep his job. And, you know, he's a smart guy. I'm sure he's going to hook on somewhere else. But I think this is a clear sign from the Toronto Maple Leafs 
in firing Kyle Dubas that things need to change. And finally, they are wrapping their brains around probably William Nylander is going to have to get traded somewhere else. They're going to have to break up some of this finesse, yeah. skilled run-and-gun group yeah. of forwards that they've put together, and they're going to have to change the DNA of the team a little bit. And, you know, it was probably obvious to them when they were watching the playoffs, and Ryan O'Reilly was one of their most effective players in yep. that entire postseason. And this is a guy you brought in as a hired gun from the St. Louis Blues, but he's a guy that's won uh, the Conn Smythe. He's a guy that's won the Stanley Cup. He's a guy that knows... Uh, you know, how to win. He's a guy that outplayed Patrice Bergeron in the 2019 Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean... So, like, you need more some guys like that mixed in with all these, like, fun, exciting young players that light up the Corsi charts uh, for all the uh, the hockey nerds out there. You know, it's well, just, I mean, you need both. The Bruins have suffered from this, you know, in each of their last two times where they had probably their most serious chance at a, at a Stanley Cup uh, this past year, and then obviously 2019 being in the Cup Finals by heavy teams that kind of grind your smaller forwards into it. And again, it, it's it, it's it, it's a real bummer to see because the, the Bruins have players who play two ways, play the right way, but you're right. Just that physicality and the grind of what it takes uh, to do that, you, you, you're looking for those guys that bring both skill and can play heavy. And it's just, I mean, if everybody could have all of those guys all over the roster, you know, if you could have Garnet Hathaway's grit with uh, Patrice Bergeron's yep. skill, like, or you know, that guy is worth fifteen million dollars. So it's a, it's difficult to construct that perfect roster. You just you gotta hit. It's gotta almost be magic. You gotta have enough talent, younger that you're not paying a ton of money to, and then go and pick and choose your spots to to, to build the rest of that roster. The Bruins did do that this year by bringing in some guys here at the deadline who could yep. do that. And it's this should have been the year where that wasn't the concern, yet it was yep. just because of other factors that, you know, may or may not have been, uh, you know, uh, you know, it might have been beyond their control. The, the, the other thing with Toronto, too, uh, no goals from Austin Matthews in that second-round series yeah. against Florida. Like, if, it, no it doesn't matter how you rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. Nope. If you're not getting anything from that guy, like, you're not going to win playoff series. And exactly. until that changes, they're going to yep. perpetually disappoint no matter who the GM is. Yeah, so Toronto may be forced to make changes uh, or may want to make changes. The Bruins might be forced to make changes because if they are going to be able to field a competitive or you know, put a competitive roster on the ice next year, Joe, they're going to have to be creative and they're going to probably have to be a little bit daring. We are going to rip through here on the Pucks with Hags podcast a list of a bunch of players that could, could potentially be traded and what the type of return you can get for them and whether or not the Bruins might be better off doing that. And honestly, you might be looking to trade one or two players. So we will rip through all of those uh, in just a moment. First, we got to tell you, prime season, you need wholesome, convenient meals to energize you for warmer, more active days, which is why the Pucks with Hags podcast is here to tell you about Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Helps you fuel up fast, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You will save time, eat well, tackle everything on your to-do list. Too busy to cook? Skip the grocery store? Bang. The meals come in. They're never frozen, ready in two minutes. Heat and enjoy. It's not one of those, here's a bunch of ingredients, cook it yourself. That still takes time. This does not. It is fast. It's easy. You're summer. It's all, you're on the go. You want to spend time outside. You don't want to spend it inside in a hot kitchen. Check it out. If you're calorie conscious, you can get meals, calorie smart meals with fewer than 550 calories per serving. Flavor packed options on the menu each week. Fit a variety of lifestyles. If you're going keto or vegan uh, or uh, gluten free or you want heavy, heavy protein, vegan veggie, doesn't matter. 
we will, uh, they'll, they'll be able to customize it exactly your way. How do you take advantage of this deal? And it's a really good one. Go to factormeals.com slash hags50. Once again, ha- factormeals.com slash hags, H-A-G-G-S 50. Use the code hags50. You get 50% off your first box. It's a massive discount. That's hags50 at factormeals.com. 50% off your first box. Go get some and then get outside and enjoy your summer as the Bruins uh, hopefully are uh, already. And I'm already getting on the Factor Meals wagon, uh, Zanis, with my busy spring with uh, spring hockey I'm coaching, Little League I'm coaching, lacrosse, uh, soccer, everything else. I need these quick meals on the go that are also healthy. And it's nice to be able to pick between, like, something I want and then my wife wants the healthier option. She can get that. Boom. We take care of both of us. Beautiful. It's great. I I see you out there on the field right outside my house, Hags. I might bring you one of my factor meals if you look a little peckish. Yes. Thank you. Please do. Okay. Um, So let's rip through, okay? This is our fun little, you know, trade them or keep them sort of game here. We'll rip through some names here that the Bruins could consider. And, again, these these are names I'm sure you've heard kicked around as possibilities uh, of guys who could go. I think at the top of that list is always Taylor Hall. Um, What do you get the bang for the buck value off of a guy like Hall? He can be great. It's the type of player they've always lacked with that whole second line wing thing, you know, Uh, and get somebody to play with Krejci. But the reality is you probably don't have Krejci. You might not have Bergeron. You've got a lot of other holes to fill. Uh, what does Taylor Hall do for you at his salary? Is he a guy you would think, let's see if you can move him and maybe spend that money smartly elsewhere? See, I, with Taylor Hall, I am not trading Taylor Hall. Not. I'm the GM, and I am making decisions for several reasons. One, you only have seven forwards signed for next yeah, year right now. Fair. You know, that that's a big consideration. And it's still $6 million. It's not an insane number Correct. Uh, for Correct. Hall, you know? It's really right. not. And it no. goes down to 5.25 the next year. So it's right. not a huge savings. No. And and just based on the lack of forwards you have signed, especially really established guys that could be high-end, and the reality that, it may be Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle as your top two centers going into next year. You're going to need all the talent you can Some get juice. on the wings to try to elevate those guys and to try to bring offense, more offense to the table uh, with those two centers if you're potentially downgrading offensively from a Bergeron Krejci 1-2 to a Pavel Zaka um, Charlie Coyle 1-2. I think you can't skimp on the wingers. You're going to need premium wingers that can put the puck in the net, guys that have resumes, guys that have high upside and have done it in the league before uh, to put with them. And I, and I think because of those things, I wouldn't move Taylor Hall. But to your point, $6 million is not a huge number for a player like that. He's got the resume. Like He would garner interest. He can attract a lot. Value back return in, matters in, here. Yes. Right. You would get probably a better return for him than you would just about anybody else that you're going to trade, you know, outside of maybe one other player uh, that that's on this list. So you, you've got to think about that uh, and sort of weigh that. But like, I, if I'm GM, and I think most GMs run this way, when you trade players away, you're going to trade from areas of excess, areas where you have a surplus. You're not going to trade from places where you really don't have that many uh, uh, of them going into a season. And right now, they just don't have enough forwards even signed to start dealing away wingers or centers, period. 
Yeah, I mean, let's just go right down that list there. Charlie Coyle is another one where, again, just based off of how little you have here, and Charlie Coyle is signed through 25-26 at, yep. again, what's considered a reasonable value. Um, <laughs> four, four and a half million. You do not have anyone. anyone you're not set. I mean, he's your, he's your first-line center if the season starts uh, tomorrow right now. Yep. Um, so... That's a tough one to trade, but again, what can someone like that get for you? People watched how well he played in the playoffs, in the postseason for Boston. At times, he looked like their best forward. Actually, you and I debated on one of the shows who was the best forward in the first round between him and Taylor Hall. So, I mean, you have two guys who played. uh, Coyle, who can bring that playoff physicality, and is that kind of guy who can use his body and and not get worn down and not get you know ground down by some of the heavier teams. Uh, that's another tough one because, again, the return might be decent for a player like that, but you've got nothing behind it. Yeah, and I think the entertaining of Charlie Coyle and trading him would be if you have alternate plans at center, if you have your eye on somebody that you're going to pay huge money to that you think is higher upside offensively, more appropriate top-line center. Like if you're the Bruins, if you're Don Sweeney, and you've got massive trepidation about Charlie Coyle being either your one center or your two center next year or for the next couple of years potentially, um, and you really think you need to go back to the drawing board and get a better center, uh, maybe a younger one, maybe one that's a little more high-end offensively, a little bit more playmaking, whatever. Um, you know, Charlie Coyle is your perfect third-line center in an ideal world. Uh, because of everything that he brings to the table. And I think you start to get diminishing returns from him when you play him in a higher role in the lineup, and that's something they have to think about. But to your point, you know, there's a lot that Charlie Coyle brings to the table that I think, you know, in some instances it's better to have the certainty of a solid player like that than to, you know, bring somebody from the outside that you don't have history with and you don't really know a lot about and put all your eggs in that basket and say this is going to be our guy when you know you've got – a solid citizen, a good leader, a hard worker, like a good two-way player, or a conscientious teammate, like all the things that Charlie Coyle brings to the table uh, that you might lose uh, if you switch him out for somebody else. I think you got to think long and hard about that. Like, look, the, the, at the end of the day, in the first round, the Bruins were doing okay with Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle as their top two I know. centers. They were I winning 3-1 to one in the series, and it turned when Patrice Bergeron came back, as hard yeah. as that is to say. That was one of the things that kind of was a turning point in that series where it started to go downhill was you brought in a Bergeron with a herniated disc who was clearly way less than 100%, and you had less minutes for Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka, who were very effective against the Panthers, and and that's what happened. So, like, you know, if if you take the playoffs as a window into what next season might look like with Coyle and Zaka as your top two centers... It didn't look that bad. And it's not I think, that grim. Yeah. You know, you, you're going to have to make some decisions based on that. And like I said before, what there's ways to offset that. If you're going to keep those two guys as your centers, you're just going to have to beef up on the wingers and make sure they're all, like, really elite, great offensive players. And I think you're going to be okay. And the Bruins are kind of there with Pasternak, with Marshan, with Taylor Hall. Like, that's a good, you know, three out of four in the top it's two lines. Bad. It's if not you're bad. Go there, so I, I would keep Coil as well. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree because the 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 thing you mentioned in the conversation about both forwards is just simply how few the Bruins have under contract. So again, the idea of getting something better than what you're giving up it seems unlikely at this point, um, yeah. unless uh, what you're plan is not to get the player but potentially to kind of try to rebuild on the fly a little bit so would you ever consider a player like hall or coil 
for draft capital. Um, and again, that's something you'd do more at a trade deadline than you would during the offseason. But whether or not you or you would have done it prior to this draft, uh, you know, in which is still, I guess, possible. Um, if you wanted to get into that first round, you know, does Taylor Hall get you into the first round? Uh, you know, is that something you want to do and then save a little money, replenish some youth, just take that step back, have that money to spend elsewhere, go apply that to someone else. Is that something you would ever consider? Well, I think, you know, they're going to have alternate and, and Don Sweeney talked about this alternate sort of strategies or paths until they get concrete firm answers from birds on the other guys but assuming they're not around assuming they don't come if they're back, not around i think they do have to like think about you know whether it would they'd be better off uh some kind of soft rebuild some kind of uh you know bringing in some, some rolling rebuild i like to call it we got rolling yeah. rallies it's a rolling rebuild you can keep the train moving on the tracks a little bit but maybe you got to start addressing cat because you can't do it all at once by the time you start getting draft picks back joe Right. The, the, what you currently have has aged out or they're not under contract anymore and you're at zero. So you kind of wonder when you do have a couple years of co- coil control, uh, the, the defenseman right now, like might you try to get some draft capital back and see if you can get in there and, and, and do something with it and then spend that money elsewhere? Yeah, I think that's something they would have to consider. And like, you know, the, the part of that that's interesting is that – with your goaltending situation, with your defense situation, with some of your wingers that you already have, with having a guy like Pasternak that can put up 50 or 60 goals, you're never going to be that bad. You know, even if you did deal off some of those players and you brought in draft picks and, you know, uh, potential young players and, and kind of went at it that way, uh, you could still be a playoff team that's, as you're saying, the rolling rebuild or a soft rebuild is kind of doing it on the fly, retooling, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that's we're, something. We're Paula Abdul. It's one step forward, one step back. Okay, that's what we're trying <laughs> MC to do. Scat Cat. That's what we're trying uh, to do. Is, but but like the more intriguing one for me is because I, I think that's kind of a half measure if you're doing that, right? Because sure. you're going to get what what kind of first round pick you're going to get for those. Players. I, don't I don't know. Think it's going to be a high first. I don't know that you're going to get a lottery pick. So if you're talking about getting the 25th pick in the first round and trading one of those players, they're not going to do that. Uh, what what's more intriguing to me, even though it's never going to happen. Is the, just the question and the thought of like, do you just say the, to hell with it and you put this Godfather package together to the Chicago Blackhawks for the number one overall pick and Connor Bedard? Like, do you offer David Pasternak, you know, Hampus Lynn, uh, not Hampus Lynn, David Pasternak, like one of your goalies and maybe, uh, you know, Matt Grizzlick or something like that uh, to the Blackhawks and, and, and try to like throw as many assets as you can at them? to try to get them to give you the number one overall pick for the generational talent, the center that would be your, you know, Patrice Bergeron or better for the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Because really, unless you luck out and you make a second round pick like Patrice Bergeron 20 years ago, and it turns into this like hall of fame player, um, you're going to have to get to the top of the first round and be in a lottery position to get these sort of game changing center talents that are available uh, in the draft and that are out there, you know, like the Blackhawks, they got Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves by monumentally sucking for like five, 10 years to the point where they weren't even on TV in Chicago. They were so bad, you know, cause they were, they weren't selling out games and Rocky Wirtz, their owner refused to let them be on TV right. uh, and blacked out the games because they weren't selling them out. Um, you know, um, is that, is that something that you try to do? If Would you're the you Bruins? do it if you were Chicago? Uh, no, 
And I don't no. think they're going to. I don't I, think anyone would. They need Connor Bedard there to sell the franchise. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's never going to happen. But, like, you know, I, I'd like to th- see the Bruins at least, like, try to make an effort or think about that or at least toy around with it, you know, because I think it's, it's that kind of bold move is what's going to shake them out of what's coming next. Because I think what's coming next is they're going to kind of be in the middle for a while, you know, yeah. and they're going to not really have a chance to win the cup. They're not going to be good enough to do that but they're not going to be bad enough to miss the playoffs. So they're going to be kind of stuck in the middle for a while. And that's a tough place to be. That's when people really start to lose interest is if you're in the middle with no real chance of winning, especially in Boston. Yeah. And again, I think you have to just, you got to, you got to get back in there and you ultimately you've got to hit. And if you look at their core, Charlie McAvoy was not a top five, top 10 pick. He was, you know, a little bit lower, yep. obviously, you like know, 15. David Putt- David Posternak, uh, you know, uh, lower in that, uh, yep. you know. He was like uh, in the 20s. Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, and Bergeron, Marshawn, you are plucking guys. And again, these are, you're getting generational talents in later rounds. That doesn't necessarily happen. Krejci was a second rounder. So you can hit and, and I mean, geez, look in and around that infamous, was a 2015 draft where the Bruins got those three straight players. Look at everybody taking a little bit after that. Some yep. really, really, really good players there with Barzal and, uh, you know, and, and whatnot. So, you can hit, but you gotta you got you gotta get them back in at some price. You have to stop. You gotta you, you gotta trust your depart scouting department and hit. You gotta hit with some of those. And right now they have none. And we've talked about what's coming up the pipeline. Well, I don't know, but their best prospect really crapped all over themselves in juniors uh, in the in the in the in the in the, in the uh, you know in the, at the worlds right now. And yeah. his stock, Fabian Lysel's stock is going down not up which is not great doesn't mean it's over and he's but, not a center you know he's not a center either that's the the problem becomes like some of the players you can hit on you can hit on wingers you can hit on defensemen it's harder to hit on a franchise center like Bergeron uh unless you're picking high in the draft like those are the guys those in the number one defensemen are the ones that go fastest in the draft at the top of the first round but like to your point like if you're scouting well enough there are some David Krejci's out there. There's some other players out there that you can hit on. But they really, like, they lucked out with Bergeron, just given the caliber of player and person he was to get him in the second round. And, like, he was he jumped right into the NHL. Like, that's yeah. unheard of for a second-round pick to do that. Totally. Like, it's unbelievable. You know, that's why like, he's played was, for 37 years already. You know, yeah, it's like... they just, they, they, like, rolled the ultimate die win on that one because, like, that never happens. You know? Never. And that's not, you can't count on that happening again. Never, never. And those guys are well aware of where they came from and, you know, that, that road. I remember David Krejci talking about it and just kind of like, guys like me are picked in the second round. You know, guys like Tyler Sagan are picked top three overall. He's like, look at the friggin' guy. He's a yep. freak. You know, like yep. those guys who have it all, you know, and those dynamic, automatic, hard skaters, powerful players, you know. Uh, and yep. he's like, I, you know, I do my best. I do what I can. And, you know, they, they have a few success stories there. Uh, there's a couple other things that I think we can address on the trade market. Obviously, the position of strength is uh, is the defense core. So we'll look at that uh, and see what else the Bruins might be able to do creatively. We do want to tell you quickly about FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Uh, I know Bruins are no longer in the hockey playoffs, but obviously there are NHL playoffs going on, as well as NBA playoffs. Right now, new customers, if you sign up at FanDuel, at FanDuel.com slash Boston, you get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if you get it wrong uh, and you lose, bang, you get a second chance. It's amazing. So sign up, FanDuel.com slash Boston. Uh, it's, uh, 
in addition to this promotion, there's a, a ridiculous promotions that you can get on a daily basis uh, that are offered on the site. It's super easy app to download. Uh, and best thing of all, when you do win, you get paid instantly. If you don't, as I said, FanDuel.com slash Boston, no sweat first bet up to $1,000. I do have to tell you, you have to be 21 or older and present in Massachusetts to participate. A $10 initial deposit is required. Your first online bet must be a real money wager. Refunds are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire in 14 days. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Now let's switch over, Joe, to the uh, to the defense core. It, it's strange to say this about the Bruins, considering what their how their roster has been constructed over the years. But there actually is a surplus of quality defensemen now. It's something they've it's a problem they've never had. You're locked in at the top, and obviously you're probably going to lose Dmitry Orlov uh, yep. to free agency. Not someone you can, but you're still pretty locked in right now with two. Top ten NHL defensemen in Lindholm and McAvoy, and then beneath that you've got uh, you've got uh, Carlo, who again, an, a very solid kind of a shutdown type D man, not dynamic, not sexy, but uh, yeah. a quality defenseman. Uh, Matt Grizzlick, Grizzlick, Derek Forbert, you've got options there. Uh, of those, and you know you've got Mike Riley rotting away in the in 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 uh, in the in. Uh, in uh, Providence, by the way, because of a yep. salary issue, and you couldn't call him up, and you had to you had to bury him there. But you've yep. got options. You wonder if there's value in any of these. Each one carries with it, you know, different, um, you know, different value. I think if you're the Bruins, Joe, you if you can move one of them, you probably want to move the one that gets you the most, and just live with whatever you have left. Yeah, and who, I, and who do you think that would be? I think Grizzlick is the one I would look at highest on the list. Um, as a player that is attractive to other teams, yeah. a player that, whose number contract-wise is not out of this world, and as a player that has value and and certainly I think would would draw something back in addition to get some salary cap um, freedom. So I, I, that would be the number one guy. But this is the position you're going to hear the names available, and you're going to hear Brandon Carlo's name mentioned. You're going to hear Matt Grizzlick's name mentioned. You're going to hear Derek Forbort's name mentioned because they have Mason Lowry coming up who's probably going to be NHL ready much sooner than later uh who they just signed to an entry level deal coming out of Ohio State um you've got Jakobs Borl under contract who I think because of salary cap uh stuff they're going to have to play him next year and they're going to have to just you know see how it goes live at least it. for the first few months live with yep. it and then you know, if they have to upgrade at the trade deadline, they can. But I think, you know, just based on the numbers and the math and where they are salary cap wise, a guy like that is going to have to play. Um, and y- maybe they have to give up draft picks uh, in order to, for somebody to take Mike Riley's contract. But I think that's another one you've got to look at and try to find any way you can creatively to unload uh, that contract as well. Um, but I think it, it, it could be two players. Could not be more than one. It could be a couple yeah. that they end up moving here, depending on how dire the salary cap situation is, and depending on if they can move other players. Uh, but this is the number one uh, area where they're going to move somebody. I think no matter Have what, to. I think it's inevitable that a defenseman is going to be on the move from the Bruins, and it's most likely Matt Grizzlick, who's been a very good player here, uh, who's an excellent puck mover. Yes, he gets hurt a lot during the playoffs. Uh, yes, he has times in the defensive zone when he can be exploited. Uh, but he's been a, an excellent player since he's been here, and he's another one. I think he was a third-round pick 
um, that, that turned into a very good player based on where you drafted and scouted him uh, and has given you a lot of good service. So I, I also think they'll take care of him and they won't trade him to like Siberia, like Arizona or something like that if they do move him. Uh, but I would expect uh, like uh, probably Grizzlick and maybe a guy like Forbert might get talked about um, and, and, as far as trades yeah. go. And you're right. I mean, it's the whole thing where uh, there's a lot of people that can do what you need done with defensemen to varying degrees of success. But puck moving defensemen, you know, even if they are, you know, kind of a little bit smaller and not as physical as a guy like Grizzly, it's just something a lot of teams don't have and yep. a lot of teams need. How many teams are going to go back and look and say, we need somebody who can, who can move the puck and get some zone entries and, you know, do different things. So yes, that is something um, that Grizzly can do versus your Forberts and your Carlos who, People have versions of those guys. Do you, do you give it? Do you give up anything real for that when your when your guy is ten percent, fifteen percent, not less than than those guys? It's less, so you're less likely to get good capital. So I agree with you. Greslick probably gets you the most value. Yeah, Carlos got value too because he can skate, um, and he's because... gonna lock down. He's gonna play on that second pairing, and you feel yep. confident all the time. For and, sure. and he was very good in the playoffs too. I think he upped his value with the way that he played. He's in just the not sexy because he's not. No. A, he's a he's a tall, physical, stay at home no, defenseman, but, but he's not. He's not a big hitter. NHL yeah. scouts love. They love him. Five defensemen that can skate, Zanis. That's they like love it doesn't him. even have to be a sexy yeah. player when they see guys like that. They like drool over them, so yep. he's got value just based on that. Yeah. Um. So that's another guy that I would expect is going to get mentioned quite a bit as well. Another, you know, second round pick, the Bruins, uh, who's who's turned into a very good NHL player. So, um, you know, those are the guys that are going to get mentioned, and it's no reflection on them. It's the Bruins salary cap situation, uh, and where they are and what they have to do because, like we talked about, you know, they've got like six or seven defensemen signed right now, and they have seven forwards. So, like, do the math. Like, they're going to have to trade a forward defenseman or two and sign some forwards and bring some guys up. Yep, last potential name, and this makes the most sense to me by far, and yep. honestly I think it would be silly not to, is uh, looking at the goaltending situation. You have Jeremy Swayman coming in as an RFA. Uh, you have Linus Allmark playing, you know, as, you know, as well as you could have ever imagined he would have played when you signed him, uh, winning the Vezina. Obviously, the, 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 the last image people have of Allmark is him not being great in the playoffs. Which is a shame because I think he lost about 20% of his value, uh, if not more, in the playoffs because people would say, yeah, this might have been a one-season flash in the pan. I don't know if I'm giving up a premium here. But solid professional goaltending is not something every team has. And you've got two of them. And again, you want to get nerd stat with it. In the nerd stats, Allmark and Swayman were through the roof last year with goals saved above expected and all of those things. Can you live with Swayman as your number one if Allmark's going to get you something real? I'd be surprised at this point, given their salary cap situation, um, if if Allmark is back with the team next year. I would be surprised. I, I think you think Allmark is definitely. A, I think he's going to be a play candidate. for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. he, they're going to look and think about that one a lot, um, just based on how the season played out, based on the value because he's going to probably win the Vesna in what the regular level season of that he had. Is good for you. For well, him I, you know, you, goalies typically don't give great returns. Right. They're not as highly valued as other players. So, like, you're not going to get a first round pick. You're not going to get, I think, a top prospect. But I think you could get a pretty good player. Yeah, preferably somebody that's cheap um, at another position uh, that could help you out, like or some kind of like B level prospect. Uh, you know, it, maybe they could get a couple things if they can get like a second round pick and a decent prospect for for a player like that. I think you've done well, and I think that would help them uh, recoup some of the draft picks that they've traded away. 
Um, but I just think given his value, given the season that he had, um, given the fact that at $5 million a year, he's not, you know, making huge bank for a goaltender if he's going to be a number one in another team. And based on what you saw in the playoffs, which was not great, and what you've seen in the playoffs in general, which is not great, you know, the track record is there now where he hasn't been a very good playoff player. Um, and if you think Jeremy Swayman is ready to, you know, take on a much bigger role and be the number one, and Brandon Bussey, who's a good goalie in Providence, can come in and be his backup and do it at, you know, a combined $5 million a year instead of the $5 million Allmark's making by himself, and you can do both goalies for $5 million, I, I you automatically start having some savings right there, um, and, and perhaps even more than that, depending on what Swayman comes in at. So, like, I, I think... Much as I looked at the defenseman as a surplus area, I think the surplus is there for the goaltending as well. And that's an area the Bruins have to look long and hard at if, you know, it's a luxury what they have right now and they need to kind of uh, pare down a little bit. And tough as it might be to trade a Vezina Trophy winner right after you won the award, I, I think the Bruins would not be doing their due diligence if they didn't explore it. Yeah, what have you done for me lately, right? Yep. <laughs> Just, yep. Uh, no, but you're right. You said it best. Yeah, it's it, we we did Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson and and a Glenn Wesley reference. We really took go. it in the way in the wayback machine uh, for this episode of uh, of uh, Pucks with Hags. Again, quick shout out once again to our sponsors on the Pucks with Hags podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Uh, Factor Meals, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. If you go to uh, factormeals.com slash hags50. You get 50% off your first box. And of course, uh, FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Go to fanduel.com slash Boston. Take advantage of this special promotion. You get new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 returned to you in bonus bets if you lose your first bet. As always, we will tell you one last time, please subscribe if you haven't already to the uh, Pucks with Hags podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, iTunes, whatever. Check out our Bruins Rinkside YouTube channel, uh, where if you're watching the video version of this pod, you are right now. And if you haven't subscribed already, subscribe. And of course, for all of Joe Haggerty's written material, you need to go over to Boston Hockey now and check out Hags. He's pumping out content, even if the Bruins are idle. There's plenty still to talk about this offseason, and there's no better place to get your Boston Bruins news than with Joe Haggerty over at Boston Hockey Now. I'm going to say goodbye. Joe, you want to say bye? Bye, Zanis. <laughs> bye, everybody, not just Zanis. <laughs> I'm just personalizing this one for you, for you this time. I don't matter. Say bye to these guys. Thanks for hosting, buddy. Bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.